there is one rule that more or less is universal across humanity. If you can give people a reason to pay more, people will pay more. So pricing is not just a number. Pricing is also an emotion. And you need to understand it this way. If, you're, if you give people a reason to pay more, they are going to pay more. So given what I've just told you now, the responsibility lies on you to give people a reason to pay more. Because I've seen it happen all sorts of times. For example, you have economies that are going down. People are still buying smartphones. Uh, women are still buying their hair extensions. You know, men are still buying luxury wristwatches. It's, it's strange the kind of things people are still spending money on. You are in some economies where the cost of um, the cost of things are rising so high, but you still see a lot of people investing in higher education, in their getting a master's degree or PhD. But there's no money. So how come people are spending on all these things? So the the, the truth is, if you give people a reason to pay more, they are going to pay more. Every big Thing starts small. It's a natural law. Every big multinational corporation was once a small business. Welcome to the Small Starter Business Podcast, a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start, grow, or turn around your business. Hello, and welcome to another interesting episode of the Small Starter business podcast. I am your host as usual, John Paul Iwoha. Today's episode promises to be quite intriguing because I'm going to be talking about the six ways to quickly improve the profitability of your business. Now, this is a common problem. It's a very common challenge among uh, business owners and entrepreneurs, anybody who runs their business. Profitability is an issue. And in my experience working with different entrepreneurs, a lot of businesses are, are struggling to survive due to low profits, right? So the economic situation is as bad as it can get in some countries. And on top of that, businesses still have to struggle to eke out profits, right? And the, the, the most unfortunate thing about the situation is that when you run a business, everybody is getting paid except you, right? You're expected to pay your employees on time. So they get their salaries. Your landlord wants rent, gets paid, right? Your suppliers want to get paid. Your other people who supply your business want to get paid. And the unfortunate thing is entrepreneurs have to eat last. We are the ones who eat last after we've paid everybody. So it, it makes a lot of entrepreneurs feel very helpless because they're making every other person happy. But the only person he, who is not happy is the entrepreneur because we're basically making sacrifices. We're expected to pay our bills, but nobody's asking us if we're getting paid, right? So that's why I really want to address this issue because I've been getting a lot of questions, a lot of concerns within my own community about this question of profits. How can I how can I make this business much more profitable? In fact, some of the people who have been speaking to me are on the verge of shutting down the business. And I'm like, you know, there's still a step before you decide to shut down the business. It could be that the business is profitable, but you're not squeezing out enough profits. That doesn't mean that the business isn't viable, right? So let's explore this issue of profitability in today's episode. And I'm going to show you six specific ways you can start implementing from today. Yeah, that's correct. From right now, 
these are ideas you can start implementing right now. You don't have to wait one week or 10 months or next year, right? Because your bills cannot wait. This situation, this helpless situation cannot wait. So I want us to get practical. These are practical strategies you can apply in your business starting today. Now, to guide you um, with the things I'm going to be talking about in this episode, I want you to remember that there are just two rules that guide profits in a business. Yeah, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? It's a very simple rule, but it's not easy. And that's where this episode comes in. I want to show you ways you can do it in such a way that it becomes easy for you. But then the simple rule is this. To squeeze out more profits in a the business, there are only two very likely options you have, or more or less, maybe three options. The first option is to increase the inflows into the business. So if you have more money flowing into the business, the expectation is that it will likely positively impact your profits. So by inflows, I mean your sales or income or any other way your business makes money. If you can increase that, you have a good chance of increasing the profits. The second option is to reduce your outflows. If you can reduce the money that is leaving your business, either as costs or expenses or anything you spend in the business, if you can reduce it, the expectation is that it will positively impact your profits. And then the third option, of course, is to do these two things at the same time. If you are in a business where you can increase the inflows while simultaneously reducing the outflows, you are also going to improve your profits. So it's a very simple rule. If you can increase the inflows and reduce the outflows, you can increase the profits in your business. Now, that's the simple rule. But in practicality, it is difficult for many businesses, right? Yeah, you have the simple rule, but then how do you increase inflows? You know, how do you reduce costs? And many of these costs are costs that you have to incur. You have to pay salaries. You have to pay your rent. You have to pay for utilities. You have to pay for internet access, right? So I told you it's not going to, it's not, it's not normally easy, but the, but the rule is simple. So now that I've told you what the rule is, let's now go into the specific ways you can start to improve profits in your business starting today. These things are not theoretical. I'm going to give you practical ways that you can improve the profits in your business. So let's look at the very first option you have, which is to increase your prices. Now, I can imagine that some of you are having like a very major laugh because how exactly does it make sense to increase prices when in some countries the economy is tanking? You know, so people are people have um, limited purchasing power. You know, there's little money to go around. Inflation is going through the roof. And I'm talking about increasing prices. But then I need you to hear me out right now. There is one rule that more or less is universal across humanity. If you can give people a reason to pay more, people will pay more. So pricing is not just a number. Pricing is also an emotion. And you need to understand it this way. If, you're, if you give people a reason to pay more, they are going to pay more. So given what I've just told you now, the responsibility lies on you to give people a reason to pay more. Because I've seen it happen all sorts of times. For example, you have economies that are going down. People are still buying smartphones. Uh, women are still buying their hair extensions. You know, men are still buying luxury wristwatches. It's, it's strange the kind of things people are still spending money on. You are in some economies where the cost of um, the cost of things are rising so high, but you still see a lot of people investing in 
higher education in their getting a master's degree or PhD, but there's no money. So how come people are spending on all these things? So the, the, the truth is, if you give people a reason to pay more, they're going to pay more. So how can you do that in your business? There are four specific tactics you can use to achieve higher pricing in your business. As long as you're able to give people a reason to pay more. The first one is to enhance your product or service, right? You can't just increase your prices. And then when people ask you, you tell them the interest rates have gone up or forex or, or foreign exchange rates have gone up or things are hard. Nobody's going to listen to you. You can't just keep heaping your problems on other people, right? So you have to give people a reason to want to pay more. And the first is, you know, you have to enhance your product or service. By enhancing, what do I mean? Is there a way you can improve the quality? Is there a way you can improve the value people get by uh, from consuming that product or service? Is there any improvement you can do to the utility? How useful it is, how valuable it is to the people who can use it. Now, if your product is better quality, and when something is better quality, there is only one way the market will know. The market always knows what your competitors are doing. So they're going to compare you to, other, to, to what your competitors are doing. And it will be obvious to them that, you know, this product is better quality than what I can get out there, right? If I want to buy what is cheaper, I can, I can go to your competition. But if I want something that is really good, that will serve me, that will be valuable to me, that I'm going to enjoy, then I have to buy it from you. But then it's going to cost you a higher price. And people can easily see that trade-off. Do you want better quality? at a maybe at a slightly higher price or do you want poor quality or whatever other people are selling at a low price right so you have to give people a reason to buy from you you can't just increase prices for for for, for that sake right the second option you have especially in most markets which i think is a very easy option is to match the competition right some people listening to this podcast are selling their products at discounted prices and there is no reason for it right and and that's because there is this um some form of conventional wisdom that when you reduce your prices you get more customers yes that can work but there are ways it can work against you the first way is that you're depriving your business of profits the moment you reduce your prices you're going to negatively impact your your bottom line your profits the second harm you may be doing to your business that you may not realize is that emotionally people tend to equate lower prices with lower quality. You see? So when people see low prices, when in your mind you're thinking that lower prices should, att should attract them, in their minds they're thinking, maybe there's something going on here. Maybe this product is fake. Maybe it's inferior. Why else will it be going for a price that is lower than what other people are selling? So when you're selling something lower than what other people are selling, and in your mind it's a, sell it's a sales tactic, Yes, it's likely going to work for some people, but I need you to understand that you may be undermining the perception of your product or service or business in the market because in the human mind, we tend to equate low prices with low quality. It doesn't, it's not the same in every situation or in every scenario, right? But that's the general rule, depending on what you sell. So the second tactic I've just talked about is to match the competition. If what you sell is very identical to what other people are selling, and there is no way for, there's no way you can improve the quality, enhance the value, enhance the utility, the lowest hanging fruit you have is to match the competition. 
and then you can compete in other ways you can compete through your customer service you can compete through cross-selling and some of the other things i'm going to talk to you about but leaving money on the table because you want to drop your prices as a way to lure people to buy from you just know that it can backfire right now the third tactic you can use to increase your prices is to provide a premium segment of your products or services right now and in this case i'm talking to those of you who have or who sell standard products you sell a standard product to everybody now if you've listened to this podcast long enough you would know that i have a mantra which is that all your customers are not the same they cannot be the same they're coming from different backgrounds they're coming from uh, they have different tastes they have different um, uh, preferences. They have different spending power, right? So you can imagine that one person earns $10,000 and another person only earns $100, right? One person earns almost 10 times the other person and you're selling the same thing to the two of them. So clearly, even, even though for the person who earns a low amount of money, your products may seem... It may not be really affordable to that person. That person has to make sacrifices to buy your product. But you're the other person who earns $10,000. Your product is nothing. They're not, they not going to feel anything by, by, by spending on your product. And that's because the cost of your product is a very tiny fraction of their purchasing power. So you can imagine that that person has more capacity, has more bandwidth to spend on your business. But because you're selling the same thing to everybody, you're missing out on those customers who have the ability to pay more in your business. So what you can do for those people is to give them a price that befits their purchasing power. And remember what I said, you can't just give somebody a price because they can pay more. No, you have to give them a reason to pay more and that way they will pay more. So what I'm talking about is to provide a premium version of your product or your service. By premium, it's exclusive. And by exclusive, I mean not everybody has access to this. It's just a few people who have access to it. There are some people who will pay more if that thing is exclusive. That is the business model for luxury brands like Rolls Royce or Rolex. Any, any of these products that are exclusive, it's a business model. The reason why people buy them is because there are very few of them around, right? Toyota, Toyota sells more than a million cars every year. More than a million. A million is nothing, right? A million cars is nothing to Toyota. Rolls-Royce doesn't even sell up to 20% or 30% of that number. And Rolls-Royce is fine. And Rolls-Royce is a very profitable company, right? So there are people who would pay more ordinarily because that product is exclusive. That service is exclusive. You need to look for that segment of your customer base that will be willing to pay more if you can give them a level of exclusivity or something that is premium and different from the other things that you're selling. Now, the other way you can increase prices is to provide a bespoke version of your product or service. By bespoke, I mean customized. So, so that product or service becomes personalized for the person who is buying it. People will pay more when something is customized to them. When something is personalized to me, I'm likely going to pay more because I know this is not a standard product. I can't just buy it anywhere. I can't just pick it off the shelf, right? It is tailored to me. It is special to me. And I'll likely pay more for that, right? So I have clients who, for consulting services, will pay me 100 times what I would sell one of my standard products for. And the reason is what I'm doing for them is tailored to their business. For example, they are trying to raise money. 
right? And I need to help them develop an investment memorandum or proposal that is tailored to their business. It's a customized service. I, I can't charge the same thing I would charge for a template or a course or a program, right? It's personalized. So that's way I'm able to charge higher. So remember what I told you. If you give people a reason to pay more, they will pay more. So I, I can understand if the economy is tight and things are difficult and prices are rising and people are complaining, right? People will always complain, right? But when you really look at it, people are still spending money and they're spending money on those things that give them a reason to spend more. So don't just stand on the sidelines and be feeling terrible about yourself or your business or feel like a victim. Remember, the ball is now in your court. It's up to you to think about ways you can give people a reason to pay more in your business. And I've just given you four ways you can do it. You can enhance the product. You can match the competition if you're selling below what your competition is selling. You can provide a premium or exclusive version of what you sell. Or you can provide a bespoke or personalized, customized version of what you sell. So that's it for increasing prices. If you can increase your prices, you will definitely see an impact on your profits. It's almost automatic, right? If you increase your prices. So that's it for, for increasing prices. The second thing I want to talk about is increasing volume, right? So price is how much you sell. Volume is how many you sell, right? So, so I just talked about how much you can sell what you sell. Let's now talk about how you can increase how many of what you sell, right? So following what I said before, if you give people a reason to buy more, they will buy more, right? So people won't just come out and start buying more of your products or services. If you give them a reason to buy more, they will buy more. So what that means is, again, the ball is in your court. How can you give people a reason to buy more? And I'm going to give you a couple of important and interesting tactics you can use, right? So, but first, let's look at why people buy more. Why would anybody want to buy more? There are a couple of reasons. One of them could be loyalty, right? There are people who are loyal to a business or to a brand that they just keep buying more of the product. They are, they are practically in love, right? And sometimes they stockpile on these things. I've seen it many times. One example that I, I can't get uh, rid of because I live with somebody who is addicted to the product, my wife, is Coke, right? Every single chance she gets, she's going to take Coke right? So the competition is between Coke and water. That's exactly how it is. And why is that? She's in love with the brand. She's loyal to the product. That's exactly what it is. Another reason why people will buy more is if they would get savings, if they will save money by buying more, people will buy more. So that's that interesting word, that interesting term called a discount. People love discounts because what it means is that they can save money by buying more, right? Another reason is convenience. So if it's going to be more convenient to buy more. I would buy more. For example, if it's something I have to buy that will require that I spend time or energy to buy, why keep spending time and energy when I can just buy more of it? And, you know, I don't always have to go out to buy that kind of thing, right? So that's convenient. So these are some of the reasons why people want to buy more. Now, when it comes to buying more, there are a couple of things you can tweak. One of it, and a very important pillar, is frequency. So, if you are in a business where people just buy what you sell once, they buy once, they pay once, and it's over, then you have a problem with frequency. Because what it means is that you have people who have bought from you because they like what you sell, they love what you sell, they see value in it, but unfortunately, they can only buy from you once, right? That's a problem. You need to find a way to fix the frequency 
issue. And how can you do it? A couple of ways that businesses are doing this. And I'll give you an interesting example. Right? Several years back, if you wanted to buy software, you had to go buy a physical product. It was, it was on a compact disc, right? You had to buy the product and then install it on your computer. That's how you bought software. These days, nobody sells software that way. Why? Because the company only makes money when you buy that software. And they don't hear from you again. They, don't, they can't touch your money again because you bought the product. So what every software company is doing now, from uh, Microsoft to any of all the companies, Apple, all of them, you don't buy their software outright. Instead, you buy a yearly license or a monthly license. So rather than buying the product one-off back then, maybe you buy like a Windows, um, the, the Windows software for maybe $200, right? And then that's it. Microsoft only makes $200 from you. And that's it. What Microsoft does now is Microsoft allows you to pay a smaller amount every month or every year. Yes, it's a smaller amount, but over time, they end up making much more money off you than how much they were making when you were just buying the product one-off. So that's a way that the businesses have improved the frequency with which you buy from them. Some businesses right now are doing subscription. For another example, a related example, back then, if you wanted to buy, if you wanted to buy a movie, you had to go buy a physical compact disc. You had to buy the disc and then you play the movie. These days, nobody's selling movies. You have to have a subscription on Netflix. And then what that means is that you have to pay Netflix every month, every month to keep watching the movies. Now, so what that does is Netflix has increased the frequency because you buy from them all the time. You, they maintain that relationship. You're going to become, you're going to be a customer for quite a long time. You see? So that's the benefit of the subscription model. Another is a retainer. It's very common with people who provide services like lawyers, consultants. So, so rather than only call the consultant when you have a problem, what the consultant says is, we're going to be on a retainer. You pay me a fixed amount every year. And whenever you need me, I show up. And that's a fantastic model because what that means is it's an ongoing relationship. You always have to pay. The, the person has increased the frequency of your payments. So rather than just paying one off or making the transaction unpredictable because for the person, they don't know when next you're going to call them, which is very common in service businesses. Like if you're a lawyer, an accountant, a, a consultant or something, you don't know when your next contract will come. But when it's a retainer, there is some level of predictability because you know that this customer is now paying me every year. So I don't have to worry about when work comes and, and stuff like that. Some other businesses are now doing it on the basis of memberships, right? Gyms, for example, you want to use a gym, you want to belong to a gym, you sign up for a monthly membership. And the, 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 the interesting thing there is most people who have a membership don't even end up using the membership. But what the membership means is that you pay and then you have access to to, to the company or to the business. Another option is to make your existing customers buy more. In a previous episode, I talked about the, 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 the value, the unused value that, are, that lie within your existing customers. A lot of businesses have untapped goodwill in their existing customers that they are not using. And these are people who have bought from you once or twice. They would love to buy more from you, but you have to offer them something. You have to give them a reason to buy more from you. They can't just show up and spend money. You have to give them a reason. 
So if they bought from you before, they like what you sell. And it's very likely they'll be looking forward to doing more business with you. But you have to, it's up to you to give them a reason, right? So these options can come from cross-selling. So what cross-selling means is if a customer bought a one product and you have another product, maybe there's an opportunity if you can sell that other product to that product. Um, one company that does this quite well is Amazon. If you go to Amazon to buy something, Amazon tells you um, people also bought this product. So what Amazon is saying is that product you just bought, other people who bought it bought these other products. So what Amazon is doing is Amazon is doing cross-selling. That's what they're doing. If you like product A, you may like product B. And guess what? Sometimes people, people who buy product A will like product B. That's what cross-selling is. Another is upsell. If somebody buys a product and maybe there's something to go with it, for example, that's an upsell. So for example, you sell cars, right? You sell cars. What other product or service will somebody who has a car need that you can sell to them? Off the top of my head, I can think that person will need insurance. That person may need accessories. That person may need maintenance and repair support. That person will need car washing, you know, somebody to come wash their cars. That person may need a driver. You see, these are additional uh, products or services that somebody who just bought something from you may need. So what you're doing is you're going ahead of them and you're saying, you know, you just bought this car, right? But if you can pay $15 more, $20 more, we can give you insurance for a full year. If you can pay another $50, we can give you a, a maintenance and repair package for a full year. So those are upsells. So all of a sudden, somebody who, dis somebody who just wanted to spend $10,000 in your business, because you're able to upsell them, they end up spending more. They end up spending $12,000, $15,000, Those are options. You have to give people a reason to buy more before they can buy more. Another option is to reach new customers, right? If you can, beyond your existing customers, new customers are also an opportunity. But unfortunately, many businesses focus more on getting new customers and they neglect their existing customers. There's nothing wrong with getting new customers, but you need to realize this. Your existing customers are already loyal to you. New To, new, to your new customers, you still seem like a stranger. They are still new to the relationship, so they are watching you. New customers are more expensive. You have to spend on advertising, ads, whatever to get them. Your existing customers are already yours. You don't need to spend any money to reach them, right? So I'm just giving you the, the whole idea of this episode is to, to spark your brain with ideas so that you know the options that are on the table that you can explore. So if you can get more new customers, what it means is that you can sell more. And it's going to improve the volume that you sell in your business, which will likely improve the profitability, the profits in your business. Another option is to introduce new products. That's another way to sell more. If you have one product and you're selling 100 units a month, it's very likely that if you introduce a new product, even if you sell an extra 20 of that new product, all of a sudden you're selling 120 versus 100. So if you can introduce new products, and sometimes these products may not be yours. You can leverage partnerships and um, you, maybe you can become an affiliate or, or you can get a franchise or you can have a marketing deal with another company that does it. But bottom line is the more you can sell, the more volume you can sell in your business, the likely it is that you can improve profits in your, in your, in your business. Uh, so, so these are the interesting options you need to look at if you're looking to increase volume in your business. Don't forget... People will just not buy more. You have to give them a reason. And if you give them a good reason, people will buy more, right? So that's it for increasing volume.
The third way you can improve profits in your business immediately, even starting today, is to, is to reduce your direct costs. Now, this is an interesting concept that um, many entrepreneurs I deal with really do not understand. Yes, unfortunately, accounting and finance happens to be the most boring part of a business to many entrepreneurs I've met and I've worked with. Many of them love sales. They love the, well, many of them, some of them like the uh, dealing with customers and all that. But by far, accounting and finance for many people who own a business, that's the most boring part to them. But guess what? You cannot do without understanding the accounting because Accounting is a language of business. Finance is a language of business. And if you don't understand the language, you're always going to be handicapped. So that's why I need you to understand why direct costs are very important. Because if you understand them, then you have a, a shot at improving the profits in your business. Now, your direct costs are what we often call your cost of sales, right? So in, in simple language, these are costs that increase the more you sell. So if you want to improve sales in your business, you want to sell more, these are the kinds of costs that will increase the more you sell. So the more you sell, the more of these costs you are going to incur. The less you sell, the less of the costs you're going to incur. Let me give you a very practical example. Let's say, for example, that I sell phones. I sell phones. That's what my business does. I sell Samsung phones, techno phones, iPhones. I sell phones, right? A major direct cost to my business is the cost of buying those phones from my supplier. Don't forget, if I want to sell phones, I need to have the phones to sell. How am I going to have the phones? I have to buy them from my supplier and it's going to cost me something because I'm not getting it for free from my supplier, right? So the cost of getting those phones I want to sell is a direct cost. And guess what? If my business does well and I'm selling more phones, you know what's going to happen? The more phones I sell, the, the more cost I incur because I have to buy those phones I'm selling. That's what I mean by direct costs. Now, this cost is special because it's not like other costs in your business, like rent, for example. Rent is an, uh, rent, some, uh, rent mostly is an indirect cost and um, it's invariable. It's a fixed cost. Why? My rent will remain the same whether I sell one phone or 1,000 phones. My landlord doesn't care how many phones I sell. I must pay my rent. So that's, that's why rent is different. But the cost of the phones are different. It's a direct cost. And oftentimes, entrepreneurs don't pay attention to direct costs. And that's because they can harm your business. And the reason why they can harm your business is that you might be selling a lot. I've seen businesses where they are making a lot of sales. The business is growing, but the profits are not improving. Why? Because there is, there is a yoke on their direct costs. Their direct costs are out of... Um, are still high, essentially. So until you do something about your direct costs, you will never solve the profitability problem in your business just by selling more products, right? So, so that's something you need to look at, your direct costs. So now that I've explained it, there are two specific ways you can do something about your direct costs, right? One way is to buy in wholesale or bulk. Now, the thing about buying in bulk, when you buy what you're going to sell in bulk, you get the benefit of that thing that economists call economies of scale. Because when you buy something in bulk, it's usually cheaper than buying them on a unit level. So if you're a business that is buying something on a unit level, your profits will suffer compared to somebody who is buying in bulk. Because when they buy in bulk, the cost of the units of what they're selling will drop. 
So that's a benefit of buying in bulk. So sometimes you may think it's convenient for you to buy small, small units. But when you look at the numbers, you start to see that your cost of sales are high compared to the person who is buying in bulk. And that would inevitably affect your gross profit, which is the first line of profit in any business. That's the difference between your sales and your cost of sales. So you can do a, you can reduce your rents, reduce your salaries, reduce everything. Your business will still struggle if you don't do something about your direct costs. So one way you can do it is to buy in bulk. If there are things that your business sells or that your business needs that are directly related to the volumes that you sell, it's better for you to buy them in bulk because that way it's going to be cheaper for you. The second option that you can use depending on your kind of business is to see if you can make it a fixed cost. So instead of having those costs increase when you sell more and reduce when you sell more, right? If you're confident that you will sell more, if you're very confident that you're going to sell more and you're going to make um, higher sales in your business, then it doesn't favor you if your costs are growing with your sales. If you're confident you will sell more, what favors you more is if your cost, your cost of sale is largely fixed or at least doesn't grow at the rate at which you sell, right? So you can keep it fixed. One example would be, Imagine I, I sell software, for example, I have a business that sells software. Imagine I sell one piece of software for $100, but for every $100 that I spend, I have to pay the person who helped me create the software. I have to pay them half of the price. I have to pay them $50. So every time I sell the software for $100, I have to pay this guy $50. So I'm only making $50. Now, the thing is, it doesn't matter how many units of the software I sell. This guy will always get 50% of what I sell. So if I'm confident that I can grow the business, what I can do is I can negotiate a, a fixed amount with him. For example, I can negotiate and say, I'm going to pay you $10,000 to develop this software. And that's all I'm going to pay you. Now, this guy develops the software for $10,000. All I need to sell to recoup the cost that I've just incurred is if I can sell 100 pieces of my software at $100, I can make $10,000. Any software I sell above 100 units is pure, is going down as pure uh, profits in my business, at least at the gross profit level, because I don't need to pay him for every unit. His cost is a fixed cost. I've paid him off $10,000. Any extra units I sell above 100 units, it's profit to my business. So these are options you can look at and say, if there are direct costs in your business that are rising at the level of your sales, can you come to some sort of negotiation or arrangement and convert those costs into fixed costs so that they are not rising at the level of your sales? So that's it for reducing fixed costs, right? The fourth strategy you can explore to improve profits in your business is to reduce overheads. Now, this is a common problem in businesses, especially at the startup stage, the growth stage, and even the maturity stage. In fact, almost every business that is running, it's likely a victim of high overheads. And in fact, the bigger your business becomes, the more complex your business becomes, the more your overheads are going crazy, are going out of proportion. So, the thing you need to understand about overheads is that they are fixed costs that affect your business. These are costs that you must incur, whether your business sells anything or doesn't sell anything. One example I gave you before is your rent. Your rent is an example of an overhead. Rent is an overhead because it's a fixed cost. And the way it works is this. Your landlord doesn't care if your business made money or didn't make money. All your landlord wants is that you pay your rent. That's all. 
You see, your, your landlord may not want a share of your sales or profits. Whatever. They don't care about your profit. Or, all they want is pay your rent. And that rent is a fixed cost. So what it means is that you can sell as much as you want. That's the cost of your rent will not increase. It may only increase maybe if your landlord reviews it as, at the end of the month or at the end of the year. But largely, it's a, it's a fixed cost. If you've hired people on a fixed salary, that's a fixed cost. So they, they get to work for you for the, for the whole month. And at the, end of the, at the end of the month, you pay them a fixed salary. So it doesn't matter if they worked more or they worked less. You have to pay them that agreed salary because that's what's in their contract, right? So it depends, at, it depends on the stage of your business. Sometimes these fixed costs can favor you. And sometimes they don't favor you. And there are some ways that, you know, you can catch some of these fixed costs that are, that are eating into the profits of your business. One of them is... When it comes to overheads, it's either you are wasting it or you are not using it enough or you are paying too much for it. So let's use rent, for example. I've seen businesses that go to hire office space that is clearly larger than what they need right now. They are a startup business. They don't have that many employees and they've hired all this space. They are paying rent on all this space and they are not using it. So clearly they are wasting it. They've paid money for something they are not using. They are not using it enough. And I've also seen situations where what you need is space to do your business. But these people end up looking for space in an area of town where rent is expensive. So essentially, they are paying too much for rent. What their business really needs is space, independent of location. But because they've gone to a certain part of the city or the town, either for egotistical reasons or for vanity reasons or whatever, these people are paying more for rent than they should. So essentially, that is profit that they're sacrificing. They are losing out. It will clearly affect the profitability of the business. So essentially, what I'm talking about is to focus on efficiency. And when you're talking about efficiency, it can come in two ways. Are there things you don't really need that you're paying for in your business? So you're paying for some things in your business, but you don't really need them. They may look nice, sound nice. You don't really need them. Let me give you a harsh example. You've spent money buying a company car, $20,000 buying a company car. What exactly is the functional utility of that car in your business? Just so that is the CEO's vehicle, right? Okay, you say it's for convenience and for moving people around. Hello, have you heard of Uber? So will it be, will it be better for your business if you rely on a, on a ride-hailing service like Uber. So anytime you want to go around, time, uh, around town, you just hail an Uber ride and you pay something small, maybe $10 or so. Would that not be cheaper for your business? Yes, it will be cheaper, right? And what that means is all that money you spent on buying that car would be saved for the business and you can invest it in the business and it will yield more profits. So clearly this is an example of something you don't really need, but you're paying for. An example of an area where things can also get wasted in the business is, are there things you're paying for in your business that are not giving you a good return on your money? So you're paying for this thing, but it's not pulling its weight. It's not giving you a good return. If I, if I think about an example, for example, your staff, your employees, you're paying somebody or you're paying people a fixed salary, but they're not putting in enough work to justify the salary you're paying them. Who is losing? You're the one losing, right? Because what it means is that they are getting a free ride. They are not pulling their weight. They are not putting in enough work. They are not earning the pay, but you're still paying them. 
So that is an area where inefficiencies can creep into a business. And these are the areas where overheads can really affect, affect your business. So that's it for the overheads. The fifth tactic I want to talk about, the fifth area of interesting um, um, opportunities to improve profit you can look at is to reduce the cost of capital in your business. Essentially, there are three types of capital any business can use. One of them is equity. So you take money from people and you give them a share of your company. You give them shares in your company. The second is debt. Uh, uh, an investor or a bank gives you a loan and they charge you interest on the money. And of course, the third is freebie, uh, free money. Maybe you get grants or you get donations or endowments or something, right? So there's nothing wrong with grants because there's no cost to a, there's no cost to free money. It's free money. Where you can start to get issues, especially, is with debt. So when you've taken a loan from an investor or a bank and you are paying interest that is too high for your kind of business, it will very likely affect your profit. So I have a personal, a personal story here because it happened in one of my previous businesses. It, it turned out when we looked at the numbers that we were just working for the bank. No profits were coming from that business. In fact, most times we ran a loss. And why were we running a loss? When you look at the numbers, the, uh, the operating margin was good. But the problem was we were paying almost all the money, almost all the profit we made as interest to the bank because we took a loan from the bank. So it turned out that the, the, interest, we took on, the interest we took out on that loan was too expensive for the size of our business. And that's, that's eventually what killed that business. So it wasn't because the business wasn't profitable. It was just because the cost of the capital, the cost of the loan was too high. And the business crumbled under the weight of that cost. So it's an important point. It's a regrettable point. And I'm hoping that by listening to this episode, you don't get to go through the same, the, the, the same hassle, right? In fact, there is a specific episode I strongly recommend you listen to, which focuses um, solely on the issue of debt in a business, especially if you're having trouble with debt, you've taken a loan, you're defaulting, your your creditors are coming after you, your bank, your, your business is in trouble, you're on the verge of bankruptcy. I I would strongly recommend you listen to episode 49 of the podcast, right? Um, and that episode is titled "How to Get Out of Debt." When your business owes a lot of money. It's a very interesting episode based on the feedback. A lot of people have got value from it. So if you're already in a position where you've boxed yourself into an expensive loan, this is an episode you should listen to, episode 49. So now let's let's talk about the sixth strategy I need you to consider to improve profits in your business. It's a bit controversial, but I owe you that duty to let you know where the opportunities are. After all, you're an entrepreneur, and that is about taxes reducing taxes. Because the truth is, taxes are a cost to any business. You know, it's a cost to, to a business. It's money that goes out of your business, money that you, you pay out. But before I go ahead, before you crucify me, I need to make uh, a very clear distinction. There is a difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion. Because sometimes when people hear that uh, a person is talking about or even considering not paying lower taxes, people think it is criminal. No, not always. And that's because there is a difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion. Tax avoidance is when you use the legal loopholes that are available or the legal opportunities. Let's even forget about loopholes because sometimes loopholes sound um, like you're trying to be clever or criminal, right? But there are legal opportunities by law that allow you to avoid some taxes. They allow you to reduce the amount of tax you pay. And they are 100% legal. 
So if this is coming as news to you, just try and have a conversation with your accountant or your lawyer. And he's going to very he or she is going to verify what I just told you. There are legal ways to reduce your taxes through tax avoidance. The, 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 the type that is criminal is tax evasion. Tax evasion is when you deliberately just don't pay your taxes. Either you, you forge documents or you willingly misappropriate numbers or you just forge things and stuff like that. You, you start to get um, clever with the law. That is tax evasion. And it is criminal. Most times, if you're caught, you might be sued to court and you might end up in jail. You might end up paying penalties. So tax evasion is a crime. Tax avoidance is not. In fact, it is 100% legal. So what I encourage you to do is to explore the legal structures. Some types of businesses end up paying lower tax than other businesses, right? You need to explore accounting options. There are ways that you can present your accounting that somehow you qualify. It can even be in the way you depreciate your assets and a couple of things. Have a conversation with your accountant and ask because that's how accountants make money. It's one of the ways that they make money. Companies hire them. A lot of multinationals pay big money to accountants to help them reduce their tax exposure. And it is very, very legal. That's why accountants are in business. So have a conversation. If your tax exposure is a source of concern to you, right, you need to explore those options. There are also options like um, government initiatives. So there are government waivers. There are government programs that... Um, incentivize participation by reducing your taxes or even giving you a tax break or a tax holiday. You know, special economic zones are an example. So where you have a free trade zone or a special economic zone, most of those businesses that are there because they want to take advantage of tax opportunities that the government is offering. Some of them don't pay taxes for the first five years or for the first 10 years, or they pay at a reduced rate. Or, you know, sometimes in some countries, they, add, they, they say things like if you invest in training your staff or if you invest in certain things, the government can give you a tax break. But you cannot explore these opportunities if you don't know about them. So I'm challenging you to look at these options because you may unwittingly be paying more tax than you should. And you, you, you necessarily don't need to because there are alternatives for you to reduce your, your tax exposure. Right. And like I said, tax avoidance, 100 percent legal. These are legal opportunities that are open to businesses that can take advantage of them. So at this point in the episode, let's recap. In this episode, I shared with you six specific ways you can improve profits in your business starting today. The first I talked about increasing your prices and I told you how you can do that. I talked about increasing the volume of what you sell. So Increasing your prices is about how much you sell, how much you sell your, your, the things that you sell. Increasing your volume is about how many, of, how many of your products or services you sell. The third um, option I talked about is to reduce your direct costs. Don't forget your direct costs are those costs that rise with the activity of your sales. So the more you sell, the higher these costs get. The other, the other option I gave you is to reduce your overheads. These are fixed costs in your business that may be causing trouble for you because it's likely you're not using them or you're not using them enough or you're wasting them or you're not getting a good return on some of these things. So you need to look at them. The fifth option I talked about is to look at your cost of capital. Sometimes the, you might be paying too much for the capital in your business, especially if, you, if, if, that is, if it's a loan or debts you've taken. And then the sixth option I talked about is to, look, to explore 
legal options to reduce your tax exposure. So at this point in the episode, let's talk about our partners, Queza. Queza is doing something very remarkable for businesses on the African continent. If you sell a product and you're limited by geography, so so far you've been selling your product only within your country, only within your city, Queza is doing what Alibaba did for the Chinese market. Queza is, Queza is a platform that allows you to sell your products beyond your country. So we're now seeing people selling products between one African country and another African country. Better still, Queza provides you the opportunity to sell to foreign markets, to the US, Canada, UK, France, other European countries, the Middle East, and even the Far East. So Queza is opening doors and opportunities for people who would normally not sell a lot of their products. It's now giving you the option to access markets where customers will be happy to pay more for your product. If, for example, you package it as something that is premium, so your product may seem expensive. Your product may seem expensive in your country right now. Maybe you are in Nigeria or you are in Ghana or South Africa or Kenya, and your product may seem expensive. All of a sudden, if you export that product to the US, your product may seem cheap and people may suspect that it is low quality. So that is the option that Queza is doing. Queza is, Queza is giving you the option to reach more markets, explore more opportunities for your products that you sell, make more money and grow your profits. So I think it keys nicely into the topic of today's episode. So to get started with Queza, if you sell a product, go to your app store or your Google Play store and download the Queza seller app. Queza is K. U-U-E-Z-A, Queza Seller. That's for if you sell a product. If you want to explore the beauty and the variety and the range of products that are available on Queza, go to your app store and download the Queza User app. There are different apps for the seller and user. The Queza User app. And you're going to be glad you did. So at this point in the episode, there are four things I need you to consider. The first is to join the Insiders program. The Insiders is an exclusive and private community of entrepreneurs that work directly with me. So we learn together. We have access to collaboration opportunities, networking, a couple of things that, that, that we do together. So the, the, road, the road of the path of entrepreneurship is usually very lonely. Most entrepreneurs are just working on their own in silos. But then it's very strange because when you look at other paths, whether they are doctors, lawyers, even politicians, they have their groups, they have their parties. It happens that entrepreneurs are the only ones who just work solo and it ends up undermining us. It ends up undermining our progress because we are social animals. And the more you're exposed to people who challenge you, who encourage you, people you can learn from, people who can learn from you, is going to improve your ability to grow your business and become better in business. So to learn more about the insiders, you can check us out at smallstarter.com insiders. Again, it is smallstarter.com insiders. The second thing I need you to, to consider is to tell your friends about this podcast. The things you've learned in this episode, very practical stuff. You can start implementing them in your business today. All I ask is that you don't keep this gem to yourself. Tell your friends about the Small Starter Business Podcast. Let them Google us, Small Starter Business Podcast. There are a range of episodes. We cover everything from how to raise capital, how to improve your sales, about pricing, how to hire people, how to become a good leader, a wide range of interesting topics 
that more or less cover the struggles that entrepreneurs face on a day-to-day basis. So tell somebody about the Small Startup Business Podcast. That would be a very nice way to say thank you. Another way to say thank you is to leave us a five-star review, right? So if you like what you've been learning on this podcast, if you've been listening to us for for quite some time, you want to vote for us, you want to give us a thumbs up, uh, you want to give us a pat on the back, one way to do that is to give us a five-star review. A five-star review makes the algorithms show us more to other people. Because what a five-star review means is this is a good podcast. People should listen to it. So it's going to help us rank better in the entrepreneurship and business section of, of, the, of the podcast categories. And to leave us a five-star review, what you can do is head over to smallstarter.com slash review. Remember, like I said, your five-star review is not just good for my ego, but it's going to help more people discover this podcast and benefit from the richness of the knowledge and the wisdom we share here. So... If you're interested in working directly with me, I welcome you to join our our private community of entrepreneurs in the insiders. And you can check us out at smallstarter.com slash insiders, smallstarter.com slash insiders. So with today's episode, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. It's very easy to blame outside forces for the things that happen to us in our business. It's very easy to blame the economy or the politicians or somebody outside for why your business is not moving, why you're not making enough profits, right? What I've done with this episode is that I am putting you in the ring. These are things you can do by yourself. You don't need any outsider to do them for you. These are things that are on your plate. You can do something about them starting today. So why don't you take a chance on yourself and do these things and then let's see if you don't get the results you're looking for in terms of your bottom line. You work so hard. You came up with this marvelous idea. You've employed people. You're serving customers. There are suppliers you're you're supporting in business. There are distributors who are still in business because of you. Your landlord is happy because you pay your rent. You're doing all these things for everybody, but you're not happy. Because at the end of the day, after you fed everybody, nothing is left for you. We need to change that. You deserve much, much more than you're making right now. And I need you to take the initiative and start to implement these things I've talked about in this episode. And get back to me and let me know how interestingly uh, you were able to um, make progress and improve the profits in your business. On to the very next episode, I want you to remain the leader that you are. Never give up on yourself. As long as you wake up in the morning, you have you still have a chance to fight. As long as you're in the ring, you can always get up. Um, I wish you a very great day or night. Uh, it all depends on when you're listening to this. And I encourage you to stay safe. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, Head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.